0: Hello, and welcome to episode 69 of the Movie Marathoners Podcast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mati, and joining me today are Rosa Parra and Catherine Gonzalez, the women behind the Latin Lens Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, both of you. Thank you so much for joining me. How's everyone's weekend?
1: It's
2: good. Thanks for having us back. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having us. Um, It's good. Good. Can't complain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know we originally had planned to do this episode like uh, the the week after the election results. So I was going to be like, oh, it's probably (laughs) everyone's probably in such a better mood than they were last week. But we've got a little time to sit on that now. So Um, now we're just exhausted. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now it's just time to sleep for the winter and then hopefully. (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So you guys both last joined me on the podcast to review the live action Mulan. Uh, That somehow feels both like last week and also like three years ago. But (laughs) regardless, that was a great conversation. And I would definitely recommend the listeners check that out if they haven't, Uh, especially because Mulan comes out to Disney Plus next month, I believe, for free. So definitely give that a listen. But until then, this week, we will be discussing the latest Sofia Coppola film to hit Apple TV Plus. This is On The Rocks. So as usual, we'll warm up with our spoiler-free thoughts on the film, then we'll run into spoiler territory where we can talk freely about the film. And finally, we'll finish with our point two section where we talk about what else we've been watching. So let's start with the synopsis of On the Rocks. A young mother reconnects with her larger-than-life playboy father on an adventure through New York. On the Rocks stars Rashida Jones, Bill Murray, and Marlon Waynes. It is, of course, written and directed by Sofia Coppola. Oh my gosh, do you look beautiful. Go live. How's your mom's hip? Good, thanks. Good. He thinks you're my girlfriend. Grace. Been busy?
2: Yeah. Dean's traveling with clients all the time, and I'm just the buzzkill waiting to schedule things. Just, I'm so stuck. So Dean's going away a lot, huh? On business trips? Dad. Raise your hand if that yeah. sounds fishy.
1: He's not like you. He's a good guy, a great dad.
0: Sure. It's nature. Males are forced to fight, to dominate, and to impregnate all females.
1: Hmm. Maybe he's just not interested in me anymore. Impossible for women
0: that are most beautiful between the ages of 35 and 39. Great. So I have many months left. Okay, so On the Rocks was released on Apple TV Plus on October 23rd of 2020. So we are a little late on this one. Uh, Part of that was because I wanted to do Halloween-themed content in October, and then we also had some scheduling issues. But I've been really excited to talk about this film with you two because it was my very first Sofia Coppola film when I watched it for the first time, and then since then I've been watching all of Sofia Coppola's filmography. And then after that, I rounded it out with a second viewing of On the Rocks. So I kind of get the experience of both with and without the context of her entire filmography to talk about this with. And I think that's important because I think many of her films have many similarities, and it's really interesting to see her explore similar themes over the course of what's now a 20-plus year film career. But before we talk about that, Rosa, this was your first Sofia Coppola film, correct?
2: Yes, correct.
0: Okay, so what are your thoughts on on the rocks?
2: <laughs> just putting me on the spot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um I thought it was okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I I thought it was it was a well done film. It just feels like a very light, uh, light hearted um, movie about the relationship between her between a daughter and her father. And overall, again, I, I'm coming at this with, with just this being my 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 first Coppola film, so I have no idea uh, what her style is or um, any. I can't. There's nothing for me to compare it with. Um. So so that's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to hear both of you talk about this. Um. In comparison to her other films, um. But in general, I thought it was an okay film, average film that. Um. I I might be bold in saying this, but. Well, uh, if there were probably another director behind it, I don't know how um, it would have been received. So yeah, in general, I thought it was, okay. It's just just something, uh, something light. Uh, it was interesting to see the the daughter-father relationship and just uh, another painful reminder of the pre-COVID era (laughs) (laughs) and how um, just going out and and just, uh, yeah, out, out these journeys and everything. So, yeah, I just thought it was okay.
0: Okay, so kind of a tepid response, but does this film excite you to see more of her films or are you like, eh?
2: Um no <laughs> uh and yeah i'm more of like uh, okay uh if, if there's anything uh, if these are if this is the way her films um go more of like intimate, like nicely paced but kind of films with i don't know i, I had some issues with uh with this movie but i don't know if that's the way her her other films are and i feel really bad for saying this because i'm i i'm very supportive of female directors and I'm very ashamed to admit that this is my first Sofia Coppola film. <laughs> but yeah, after watching this film, I am not running out there to watch the rest of her filmography.
0: Okay. So Catherine, you're a little bit on the other side of the spectrum. I think we were just talking and you said that you've seen all but one of her other films. Before we talk about some of those films, what are your thoughts overall on On the Rocks?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I, um, Russa, don't worry about your feelings because I actually felt kind of the same way. And it, it's funny because I think uh, Sophia Coppola was probably one of my first female director. Um, you know, like uh, I, wa- I started watching um, her films back in like high school. And um, so um, and, and they were always like the ones I've seen. I, I know I always took away something like, oh, why, wow, like a, like a little bit wowed or like, um, you know, there was always some like insightful thing that I would I would. I would, I would like uh, ponder about for like, you know, for a long time and, and still do. Um, I still look at the, her earlier work as like, I don't know, just in terms of like my cinematic, uh, I guess, interest and stuff. Like she was very pivotal and, in, in, in that sense. Um, and so then this film, when I saw it, I, I enjoyed it. I think, yeah, it is light. It is. Um, I like the father daughter aspect of it. I think there is some uh, tidbits of like insightfulness um, mm-hmm. on like the relationship aspect and also, kind of this like this breaking a stereotype of like especially now in our 2020 world and also just like in culture today um and myself included always thinking about cynical first and um you know uh thinking the worst thing possible instead of thinking giving people the benefit of the doubt Um, although there's pros and cons to that um but this film kind of leaned into more of like hey maybe we shouldn't be so cynical and you know um not everyone is you know a horrible person. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so I liked that. But other than that, yeah, I think it was okay. And I honestly don't know if I could say that if if, if I would have just watched it without knowing who it is, I don't think I could have pinpointed that it was a Sofia Coppola film, which um, I, I, I don't know. I, I And I also think given her other filmography... I can also see it in, a, in terms of like, you know what? I actually kind of liked this from her <laughs> mm-hmm. and also in, you know, in, in like both way like I guess at a pro and con, cause uh, I, I was thinking like, oh Sophia Coppola a couple of film, I got to like brace myself. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then when it wasn't that way, I was like, you know what? I like that. And maybe that's the way she feels, you know, <laughs> like maybe she's just wanting to make a nice little kind of, um, a fun film and and not have it to mean so much like uh I know that sounds bad I'm sure no one wants to say like it doesn't mean so much but after a long career maybe she just wanted to kind of make a uh this sort of film too and I think that's okay um but it definitely felt like a departure and I'm I'm mixed on whether you know it's good or bad <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah I mean it's definitely more um or I guess less ambitious I would say than some of her other films like many of her other films are a little more bold with some of their filmmaking styles and the the more directorial and creative choices in some of those films even mm-hmm. the ones that are you could see as being a very quiet story like somewhere has a lot of things yeah. going on for it and on the rocks is a bit more of a straightforward kind of thing but um I, I think Rosa and Cap, both of your opinions are what I've heard from the for the most part right like a lot of people Enjoy it, but it's nothing special. Um, and I think I'm actually probably a little more positive than that. Um, I did really enjoy it. And I thought that what made it enjoyable to me was that there was sort of that feeling of being one of those movies where you're kind of just existing and looking inward and reflecting on the characters, which is what Sofia Coppola is very, very good at and what you know her films like Lost in Translation do really well. But then there's also... A kind of driving plot that is more important maybe to me than some viewers, but I really like when a movie has uh, a destination in a way that some of her other films don't. So I really enjoyed it. I'm I'm not here to say that it's like the best Sofia Coppola film or anything like that, but but Mm -hmm. I had a lot of fun with this one. Yeah. Um. So Rosa, I'm gonna go back to you and just ask if you noticed if there was anything like that was a distinct directorial stamp in this movie? Or was it to you really just another kind of rom-com-ish film? And specifically, you mentioned that you don't know how people would respond to this if it was from a dire- uh, another director. Do you mean that people would be more positive on it because they wouldn't have kind of the expectation of a Sofia Coppola film? Or do you think that people are being too nice to it because it's a Sofia Coppola film?
2: <laughs> uh Interesting. Uh, I don't. I, I don't see any specific trademark or any uh, like stamp, Coppola stamp in it. But yet again, I don't know what would be right. <laughs> her, her, her stamp. So I, I don't think I can uh, accurately answer that question. Um. So yeah, I, I do think that maybe it is getting a bit more uh, loved and, and perhaps more embraced because it is a, Cop- a Sofia Coppola film and yeah i i I don't know i i don't know how how her films i don't know her style i don't know uh what 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 she's um inclined what what narratives and stories is she more inclined to tell so i i really don't know i'm just viewing this as another film um but yeah i mean i i thought it was just (laughs) okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah um I mean, definitely after watching a lot of her films back to back to back, as I did, Mm -hmm. um, you do notice a lot of things that she's really interested in on. And one of them to me that is kind of a part of this is the idea of characters that are a little more introspective and introverted than more traditional characters, especially in like, you know, rom-coms or things. So Rashida Jones's character, and I can't remember her character, which I guess is... Maybe an indictment on that character for not being particularly memorable, but um, she's very reserved and she keeps her emotions held tight and she's not a loud, active character. She's more kind of um, toned down and just a little lost in life. And that's very similar to Marie Antoinette and um, Mm. Mm. Bill Murray's character in Lost in Translation and certainly whatever the guy's name is in Somewhere. So that's something that I think she really likes to play around with, and in a lot of ways, this is which I've heard before is this is almost Lost in Translation light, so just not quite as good as that movie. Catherine, would you agree with that assessment?
1: Um, yeah, I guess so. I, got, I I I think that it's just like a progression, like you said, and I think it's um, I you know some of the films I, I like I haven't seen Lost in Translation in a while, but I remember watching it and thinking like, oh wow, that was. You know, so good. Um <laughs> yeah. and um I I do think uh while I did say I guess I, I do seem like I'm mixed on it, I do think that knowing her filmography, I think maybe does kind of help um make this like it it, it sucks though because like if it's standing alone, like you know, if you're barely experiencing her for the first time, like Rosa, like if if it's not leaving like an impression, I don't know what that says about, you know, this film. Right. But if you do know her work, I guess you can kind of see where she's coming from too. And I guess I've sort of grown up with her work in a way and this felt like a progression of that too. Like, you know, Rashida Jones's character is, you know, thirties and, you know, dealing with her parents and like, I feel like I'm in the same boat as well, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that sort of thing. Um, and so, yeah, sort of like the journey and the exploration, like sort of like lost in translation. Um, I can see that, but it's, it's kind of hard to, to, to kind of put those together because that was like also a different kind of film scene, you know, when that came out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it's easy to kind of say that this is a lighter version, but this, I don't know. It, 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 I think it's different. And I agree with your assessment of like what you said about her, um, like these characters, like, I think maybe on the surface, if you look at it, it can seem like it's just like, eh. but um, if you look at it a little bit more deeply and like, you know, having, I remember I'm, I'm very introspective as well. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why I was I was thinking like her her movies have always made me think, uh, you know, about certain things in my life. And and this one, um, it did get me thinking a little bit about my relationships and stuff, but I don't know, maybe at first glance it doesn't. And then I need to watch it again, possibly. But um, I think it's unfair to just directly compare it to Lost in Translation, especially since that film is probably looked upon fondly by a lot of people, you know. <laughs> So I, I'm not a fan of directly comparing things like that, but you kind of have to see the progression of it. And and I guess, uh, I don't know. I know that's like a wishy-washy answer, but that's how I feel about
0: it. <laughs> no, I mean, that's a good point to to clarify that like, just because she did Lost in Translation doesn't mean that it's fair to directly assess this. And of course, this is in a completely different time in her life. And obviously Lost in Translation is not a streaming movie. So I think one of the things that this movie does really well is it kind of, like you're saying, is is very light, so it kind of opens itself up and just lets you simmer in it, and it's pretty short, so you're just kind of experiencing it, and it doesn't, it's not asking you to, hey, let's brace for a whole bunch of teens committing suicide, like in The Virgin Suicides or something, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> um, but I think uh, one of the things that maybe lost in translation and some of her other films do better is the finales a little more uh, of an emotional gut punch in some of those films. Mm-hmm particularly Lost in Translation. And I think that the weakest part of this film is its ending. And I'm sure we can talk a little bit about that. But another thing that I really like about this is that it kind of grapples with this idea of who your parents are and whether those people are actually flawed people and what that means for your relationship with them. Because we get this Bill Murray character who I think is the standout. It's Bill Murray, so it's not super insightful or anything. But he's such an amazing presence and it's so fun to be around him and stuff. But then you kind of get this other side of him where he's like actually kind of a bad person. And um, I really enjoyed how the film grappled with that. Uh, Rosa, what were your thoughts on the Bill Murray performance?
2: Yeah, he, he's the best thing of, of this film. Um, he he kept my attention and he kept my uh, whatever little <laughs> intrigueness <laughs> I had in the film. It, it was because of his performance and, and who he was. And his relationship with, with his daughter, uh, yeah, his he, I, he's just his charisma is just, <laughs> it's just amazing to watch on screen. And th- there's there's particular scenes that um, I can uh, see uh, <laughs> Bill Murray actually getting away with. Especially, um, I, I'm pretty sure we'll get uh, into it in the spoilers yeah. discussion. But that that police sequence when when he gets stopped pulled over by the police, uh, certainly one of my favorite scenes in, in the entire film. Um, but, yeah, his performance is perhaps what makes this film watchable for me. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm sounding very negative towards it um, or perhaps not not as uh, <laughs> uh, particularly uh, liking the film a lot. But, yeah, his performance, it's what makes makes this film watchable to me. And I do like I like the fact that we have his character being complex uh being um in this area where he's trying to to um have this relationship with his daughter but yet at the same time he's he's dealing with his own with his own persona and who he is and um his idea and, and his worldviews which a lot of us don't don't particularly agree with yep <laughs> but i think that's i'm always drawn to complex characters because those characters to me seem the most realistic um they seem more relatable and um yeah, more genuine to me. So again, because his his character is this way is perhaps why I'm more drawn to it. But yeah, uh, the best thing in this film is him.
0: Yeah, he's he's a very real feeling character. Like, you know, people like this. And then I mean, to an extent, my dad, he reminds me a lot of my dad, just some of his little tics. And I, my dad is not, you know, offensive with some of the way that he treats women or anything like that i want that to be on the record but you know sometimes he listens to my podcast but um i, I do feel that like some of just how just immediately friendly he is with people and how he can just like mm-hmm. make conversation with anybody is just i felt like i was a kid again it when rashida jones just had to like deal with her father sitting there and being embarrassed to her core as he's like talking to the waitress or talking to the, um, the police officer, or the people in Mexico, all of it is, I thought that he was just such a well-realized character. Yeah. Um, Catherine, did you think that Bill Murray was the best part?
1: Um, yeah, I, I, I do think he, he definitely is, um, the highlight. And I think that also stems from their relationship probably, you know, him working with Sofia Coppola, um, previously and probably having that, you know, um shorthand to kind of really dive into mm-hmm. like something like a character like this. Um and but I also I have a soft spot for Rashida Jones. I really love her. Um so I also think that she's always, you know, I, I love seeing her and you know in 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 like a this kind of role, especially with against, you know, like a character like Bill Mur- with Bill Murray as her dad. Like that's so awesome. Um but going to what you guys were talking about as character. Um I think something that struck me is that you know, the, like uh, Rosa was saying about the complexity of his character. Um, and I guess, I don't know if I should save this for the spoilers, but just like the fact that I, I think, especially in today's society where everything is based off one thing, like the judgments, you know, like one tweet or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like so black and white and something like, you know um, you know, his character and his backstory with the you know, with the family. And when he, you know, when he's sitting with her and t- having these conversations and it's not necessarily like you forgive him and I'm sure she doesn't forgive him for what he's done, but it gives you like the backstory of it. And I think if it's coming from anything, anybody else other than Bill Murray, you know, cause he's his, the things he's done is not forgivable, but he's trying to justify them, mm-hmm. but you can at least understand where he's coming from. And I liked that. I like that um, about this movie is like, they're showing it's horrible things, right? Like, I mean, not horrible things, but um, like a cheating or whatever. And instead of just being like, Oh, not being able to receive anything other than like, Oh, that's bad. You know, it's like, well, maybe you should actually understand why. And she does ask him why, you know? And and I thought that was very like, I don't know, striking that, you know, a father daughter relationship and asking, you know, why you're, why you're doing that um, or why you did that and getting an honest answer and, you know, being like, I may still not like it, but it is what it is. And, way bill murray delivered that you know being honest and 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 you kind of feel for him in a way you know you may not agree with him but i think that that was kind of sprinkled throughout the movie in those moments
0: yeah and i think the idea that she can disagree with him and not like something about him or some aspects of him but she still clearly wants him in his life or in her life is just very Mm -hmm. emblemic of basically any familial relationship right you don't choose your family and there are things that my family does that I dislike, but you, you, you don't even necessarily forgive them, but you like you, you Understand want them around anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's a very realistic portrayal of a of father daughter relationship. And I'd be really interested to see, or know, I guess I could never actually see, but like <laughs> to know the psyche of Sofia Coppola, who is obviously the daughter of Francis Ford yeah. Coppola, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I feel like she was projecting maybe some things on here. I don't know. I was hoping she was.
0: (laughs) I mean, I feel like she projects in every single one of her movies. There are so many characters in her movies that are like, that's you. You know that, right? And it's very on purpose. Uh, I want to get into spoilers here pretty quickly. But one thing I felt that I felt myself pushing back a little bit on these movies and also Sofia Coppola's movies in general are how she tends to Because writers often write what they know, and we know Sofia Coppola comes from a very prolific family of filmmakers, which means that they are obviously very well off. A lot of Mm -hmm. her films are very much about very successful, very famous, or at least quite wealthy individuals. And a lot of these people, they have all the ingredients for what we as like, you know, an average American might think is – what should make for a happy life, right? You know, especially Rashida Jones in this movie. I think there's a whole point about, you know, she's got a loving husband and she has an amazing, probably incredibly expensive New York apartment and all of these things, and they're still sad. And then I think that's very similar to the Somewhere character, Johnny. He Mm -hmm. is this hugely successful um, actor or Bill Murray in Lost in Translation, same thing, but they're clearly melancholic or not necessarily depressed, but uninspired or whatever. And I think sometimes that comes off a little bit like, hey, guess what? Rich people can be sad too. And that almost feels a little bit unimportant when you think of some of the other films, especially now that are coming out during this time that are shed a light on these really fascinating stories from marginalized groups and lifestyles. And I I don't know if you felt any of that, but I definitely felt myself pushing back a little bit in 2020 here going like okay i i don't know it's a little hard to feel completely terrible for these people
1: um i actually i guess <laughs> and i don't know if this is going to sound um maybe i don't know if it's going to be bad in this sense either but um and it, and it's coming off of me and russ i recorded an episode uh, a review of the crown and i kind of yeah, <laughs> a, the the recent season um about like i am i guess on the other side of that, cause I'm not wealthy, <laughs> um, you know, come, come from a hardworking family and I'm, I, I got to work you know, mm-hmm. to pay my bills mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and so I do not know, like, you, you know, when I'm sad, I still have to go to work and, you know, I can't have the like things that maybe, you know, like what you're alluding to of like, Hey, like you should continue. At least you don't have to go and like your livelihoods depending on you, even when you're sad to have to go to work or whatever. Right? Right. I, I, right. I think of that. And I lately, I think I've been thinking, especially after like the crown and like these sort of things is that it, it, it's not that it's comforting that other people are sad, but I think that it's like, it, it is what you make of it, you know? And I think like, um, in a way, you know, people aren't people, I don't know, like it, it's, it's sort of a thing. Like it doesn't bother me as much as it did. I think before maybe, cause you know, um, I, I think it's valid. And I don't think in this one, she's showing like, it, it doesn't come off as, um, like, you know, feel sorry for us or whatever. I think it's just a portrait of what she, who, of, you know, who these characters are. Um, but also knowing that like, you don't, it it, having money, having everything, it seem like it's perfect. We've seen this like happen in all these, you know, different movies in real life. Like I've seen it in my real life too. Like, um, you know, the things that you think are going to make you happy don't make you happy or make people happy. Right. Right. Um, so I also find that from, I guess, coming not from a wealthy family, fascinating because I am at my ha- health, like happiest right now. And I'm not a millionaire, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't know if that's answering your question, but I think like, I kind of, I, I understand maybe that's why she's kind of exploring that. Cause maybe she, I don't know what she's going through in her own life, but like she's probably seen, I'm guessing, you know, in the way she grew up around very, I guess, quote unquote, successful people, wealthy people, whatever, and then still seeing these um, people who maybe were not fulfilled when they have every ingredient to be fulfilled. Like, I don't mind her exploring that. Um, To me, it doesn't come off as anything, you know, um, bad because that's what she knows. Um,
0: Right. And it might almost feel like disingenuous if she were to make like a rags to riches story or something, because she, that's not her life. That's not her story. That's not what she knows. So I, I yeah. yeah, that's a good and point. Yeah.
1: Maybe she's trying to explore that too. Like of why, you know, and I don't know if it's from herself or few he, people she knows, but like that thing, right? Like these people have, every, you have everything you need, like essentially need, right. Mm-hmm. But they're still not happy. And I think about that too. And you guys can go listen to our crown episode. Cause I kind of just talked about that too. And that <laughs> in, in a way, in a way of like, Oh, like, uh, so I actually find it kind of fascinating, I guess.
0: Yeah, The thing I love about The Crown is that there's such trivial issues that like when you think about them on the surface level, you're just like, "I, I, there's no way they can reap drama from this. And then you're watching it and you're like, oh, my God, her dress is not (laughs) the right color or whatever. You know, I I love The Crown. And I thought I was really not going to. And I'm so excited for season four.
1: Sorry, I don't know if that even answered the question, but um, I'm
2: intrigued by it. it. I didn't push back, is what I'm saying. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Rosa, do you have anything you want to say about that? Or
2: um, I, I entirely agree with what Catherine just said, and and I think that I, I don't think I I also didn't interpret it as being oh yeah, rich people can aren't happy either um, because it is like it is true. <laughs> not not, <laughs> not 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 money doesn't necessarily um, isn't synonymous with happiness. It, it can be at times, but not not entirely uh, on different aspects of it. Uh, so yeah, no, I I didn't interpret it as such, and it was um interesting to see, because you you a lot of us who, who do come from from um, low income um, communities are just uh, just hardworking families. We when they ask us, you know, what what do you want in life, or what are you working towards, or what what are some of your goals? And of of course, economically speaking, you always think of money. You always think, oh, yeah, I want to make more money. I want to have my own house. I want to have this. I want to have that. But we we often forget about uh, the other areas, that, like family relationships and, mm-hmm. and how do we um, better that and, or just other things that can help us also be happy. So, yeah, I didn't inter- interpret it as such either. Mm-hmm. And I also fas- find it fascinating to to view uh, these dilemmas between um, people that that are economically stable or middle-class or higher or middle-class. Um, same thing. Uh, perhaps this is coming because we just watched the crown and, <laughs> and you know, royalty, royal families and very similar, you know, it, it's, at times we, we do have this, this, this stigma of, yeah, rich people. Well, yeah, rich people are having dilemmas, but same thing with family. Like you just said, we don't pick family. We, at times family is royalty and at times family have money. Right. And that's how we grow up, you know. So it, it's something that we can't always be attacking, because then if we have movies or shows that um, highlight poverty or such, then it's considered poverty porn. So they, then you get both. You're never satisfied. So either way, um, yeah, I'm in the same boat as Kat. I didn't. Uh, I didn't interpret it anything bad, and yes, go watch the Crown season four.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is now a Crown season four podcast. Um, yeah, I think this will actually be dropping the week after that, anyways. So, yeah, let's just talk about. No, I I haven't seen it yet, but I I'm so excited. So, uh, yeah, yeah, with that, let's go ahead and hop into spoilers and talk a little bit about the um the ending. Before we do that, um, Catherine, can you give me your score out of ten and summarize any thoughts you have?
1: Yeah, I. I don't think it's a bad film and I think I, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm, I, so I'm going to say seven out of 10 and, um, overall thoughts. I, I think, I think also maybe something that was, I'm going to watch it again. Um, because I think maybe the expectation is, and to her credit, Sophia couples credit is that I was expecting something that was going to like really take me aback and be, you know, um, it, it maybe with the style or the boldness of her direction or, you know, something like that, like from the other ones. And I think this one might hit harder if I watch it again, just because maybe it's doing it a little, you know, as filmmakers, you know, go through their career, they also mature in different ways. And they're not necessarily doing exactly what they've been doing, but the essence is there, the vibe is there. So I am actually curious to see if I maybe on the second viewing, whether it hits a little differently. And I kind of find those nuances of, you know, the things that she does really well. And, um, because I saw the hints of them and maybe I was just being a little too much. So that's kind of, um, I guess, my overall thoughts, but I I enjoyed it. I think it's a good one to watch on, you know, streaming.
0: Yeah, I'll go ahead and hop in before Rosa lowers our average and uh, say that I agree. Um, I think it's a really fun film and I think it's funny. I do think that after seeing it a second time, I noticed some little ticks and things that are, I thought, very well done. I think there are very specific points in the film where, Sophia Coppola is just so good at showing the absurdity and mundanity of things like parenthood and domesticity. And just like, you know, she has Rashida Jones using a label maker to procrastinate. Mm -hmm. She has a Roomba running into a wall over and over again. Uh, All these little (laughs) tiny things, I think, are are nice little touches that make this a little bit better than kind of the run of the mill, um, you know, indie comedy sort of thing. So I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. Um, but same reasons as what Kat is saying. So Rosa, take it away.
2: Uh, <laughs> um, absolutely. No. Um, it's funny now that I'm thinking about it because we're completely opposites from the previous episode. I was more of the uh, yeah. <laughs> more <laughs> the supporter of the Mulan, and now I'm being a little uh, the little villain here. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a six out of ten. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's a film. I thought it was just okay. Uh, it's visually nice to look at and and, and such, but it, it's a story that I frankly don't care. seeing again, um, Bill Murray makes this film watchable to me um, and only him. Uh, so yeah, just six out of 10. I don't see myself watching this film again. It's nicely made, um, nicely done, nicely told, paced and everything, but just not my cup of tea, I guess.
0: Perfectly fair. So, with that, let's go ahead and take a break here. And when we return, we'll hop into spoilers. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies.
1: Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the
0: makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. All right, we're back and talking about spoilers for On the Rocks starting now. That's my secret,
2: Captain.
0: I'm always angry. So not a lot of spoilers for this movie, really. The Just a couple things that I thought were kind of interesting. I think that the part where she follows her husband to Mexico to spy on him is an absolutely psychopathic thing to do. I think she is not dragged for that nearly enough. That is so crazy to do that.
1: Yeah, it is. And also, I guess that would be the one thing that would be the privileged part of like, oh, I just have the money to go to Mexico (laughs) and take a vacation.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's very clear that part of this whole thing is... She likes the thrill of hanging out with her dad, and it's kind of pulling her out of the rut that's in her life. so I understand it as like a you know metaphorical thing to spice up her life or whatever, but it it just is objectively insane to leave your children to go spy on your husband instead of just confronting him about it um but it makes for a fun scene I like the I like everything with Bill Murray in Mexico, and I think that the reveal that Marlon Waynes is, of course, not actually cheating on her. He's just kind of really busy, I guess, is the takeaway from that. I like that twist. I don't totally love how it kind of absolves him of blame mm-hmm. for having a pretty meh relationship. Um, I know that's a common complaint in this movie. Um, Rosa, what were your thoughts on that um, and how that kind of comes together at the end?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah my biggest issue with the film was the ending, uh, how mm-hmm. he wasn't... He was cheating, but they're telling me he isn't. <laughs> um, but <laughs> uh, but you no, know, I, I guess I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting to um, for 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 him to actually be having an affair. I was actually hoping for something I don't know, something different or a little twist that he was having an affair, but with somebody else and not necessarily her, uh, the, the the co-worker. I don't know. I just wanted something to to like just throw me back or something, but yeah i wasn't particularly fond of the ending it felt very convenient mm-hmm. uh, and and i'm a big fan of, of cliche and and, <laughs> and such but this felt like far too much for me but yeah the the trip to mexico i was like oh okay i guess um it wasn't again to me it, it's more of the, the the relationship between her and, and, and bill murray's character and how and, and it's pretty much the driven narrative here to me um i i to be honest, I could care less about her marriage and, <laughs> and what, what was going on. To me, it was more of the dynamic between her and her father.
0: So do you think that that relationship and kind of the conflict between her and her father, do you think that's resolved well?
2: Um, I think so. I think so. Because... Um, at the end of the day, you know, you're as a parent, you do want to hold on to your kids and, and you want to have this relationship, but you just got to let them go and, and do their own lives. And that little ending between them two, I was good with. I, I really liked it because it, it ended how, to me, in my opinion, of course, um, how it was supposed to end. Just like got to mm-hmm. let her have her family, live her life and, and do her own um, her own family and just let her live. And of course, not, not completely like isolating or neglecting his father. But for her to make that decision to not act like, like her husband was and, and neglecting the family. And so I, I was pretty good with that.
0: OK, so, Catherine, how about you? Did you think that the kind of not finale of the finale or the the anticlimactic reveal that he wasn't cheating? Do you think that worked for you or do you feel like Rosa where it was a little like it, it was a little convenient?
1: Um. I think it was a little bit convenient, but I guess I'm going (laughs) to, I'm maybe going to play the other side a little bit just because, um, it's something that I connected with in the sense of, I guess I've been married, married like almost six years now, but I don't have kids, so I can't talk about that part. Um, but, um, the way they depicted the relationship kind of like just going not through the motions, but like you know, it does become very mundane in some, sometimes, and you have to like catch yourself before, mm-hmm. you know, like, like it, they did with them, like where if you are feeling a little lost or she was procrastinating, cause she didn't want to do her, you know, she, she felt like she wasn't good enough for her book, uh, you know, to write her book. And, and then you start interpreting, you know, signs that maybe aren't there, or, you know, maybe they are there, I don't know. And then you have someone egging you on like your father and, and leaning into, you know, family relationship and that kind of thing. Um, I have to say I related to some of that, like, there are times like I'm actually been like the Marlon Wayans character where I've been so busy, you know, like full-time job. And then I schedule a million podcasts to do like this one. (laughs) Um, and then, you know, I, I take sort of not for granted my husband, but like, you know, sometimes I'll be like, Hey, like, you know, I'll, I would tell him like, Oh yeah, I'm doing this and this and this. And then it's sort of like, you just expect them to, um, I mean, obviously they support you and everything, but I think you also have to just like check in and, um, with them, what I got most from both these relationships, the father and daughter, and then the, um, you know, husband and wife thing is communicate. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, when, when Bill Murray's character is telling him, telling, um, uh, Rashida, I don't know their character name, sorry, uh, Rashida Jones's character, um, about like, you know, why he cheated on his wife. And basically the whole thing was like, I felt neglected. And it's like, I wanted to scream like, well, did you tell her, like, did you tell your wife, like how you felt, you know, because then if you don't tell someone how you feel, especially in a partnership, how are they going to fix it? Maybe she didn't know she was paying too much attention to the kids, you know, and then like, you didn't even give her a chance to resolve it you just went and did that. And that's the bad part, you know, not necessarily cheating. It's like, you didn't even give her a chance to make it better. And then I think with their relationship, the marriage, it's also that like, he was thinking something that she wanted and he she was thinking something else. And then it got a little out of hand. It's like, I guess moral of the story and it's also something I try to do, um, especially when I overbook myself and like, it's just, you know, you got to communicate with your partner and make sure, you know, you're, you're just, I don't know, sorry, that's a long story to, say that I didn't mind the ending because in some ways, um, it's not all like, you know, the rom-coms make it feel like sometimes those are just, you, you get through your problems and then you're like, okay, cool. And then you have those moments. So mm-hmm. to me, it felt more like real life and, um, it wasn't, I guess the most cinematic ending, like a rom-com, but those don't really happen. So, <laughs> uh, Like, I don't know. I felt like, oh, yeah, that's that's how it works. Like, you know, when I have to make up or do something like that, and that's how it plays out. So I I felt like it was very true to real life in that sense of like the the marriage depiction, and the way it played out.
0: Yeah, I I think I I largely agree with you, Catherine. Um, I, I always find that infidelity, especially in television shows, which this is not one, but just as an example, I feel like it's often used as a very convenient way to add drama or conflict to a marriage or a relationship or whatever, when in fact, marriage and relationship, a lot of conflicts are a lot more benign Mm -hmm. than that, right? You know, somebody isn't paying attention to the other person and somebody isn't doing this thing or there's a lack of communication or whatever. And so I I tend to not like when infidelity is like the main plot point. Of why a relationship ends especially like in a tv show and so i was i really did enjoy that this was it turns out that he wasn't cheating because i feel like if it was him cheating then it would just validate everything that bill murray was saying about how men are wired to try and sleep with every female they have and almost bill murray saying that as like an excuse for his own behavior that it's like oh, it's not my personal fault. It's how nature made me. So I I yeah. really like that he wasn't cheating. Um, the thing that I guess what I wanted the film to do a little bit better with was the, um, the conversation between Marlon Wayans and Rashida Jones at the end. Mm-hmm. And Marlon Wayans does kind of apologize, but the film does sort of, in my opinion, I think shows it more as like Rashida Jones just kind of losing her way and not being confident in her relationship and the suspicions were wrong, but it doesn't really address the fact that her suspicions came from, it, it was a symptom of not feeling valued in her marriage, which is equally his responsibility. And I just wish that yes. there was a little more commentary on that of like a reminder for the Marlon Wayne's character almost like, hey, you need to be a good husband because otherwise she's not gonna feel valued. And so I, I don't know, I, th- I thought b- for that reason, it was just a little too pat. But um, I think overall, I I think that the ending lands better than how I think most people are interpreting the ending.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it almost seems like if they would have added, but then it would have been a different story, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think she was really just focusing on um, the father-daughter thing. And I almost thought like, yeah, just adding that little like nuance, because I I also think it borderlined the, you know, the cheating aspect, which I think like, also, I don't like because I think that is like probably the last thing that happens towards you know in like relationships at least like um I don't know um I mean it hasn't happened in mine but I'm just (laughs) saying like in general like there's so many other things like you said in relationships that are just more drama-filled and they're not based around infidelity right I think like it, it was kind of annoying to see like those signs and then I almost think that the thing I didn't like was that um I, I don't want to, it, it almost seemed like it was going to invalidate people who do have suspicions. And it, it does end up like being the cheating and, and being like, you feel like you're crazy, which is like the crazy woman stereotype. Like right. even when he said like, Oh, stalker, you know, cause you went to Mexico, which was valid. Cause that was a little too much. <laughs> but, um, I think that borderline, like I didn't like that because it did make her seem like she was a little crazy when, I mean, her dad was egging her on, you know, but like, I don't know. I, I think, um, yeah, everything that you just said, like their relationship was not as nuanced as it should have been to kind of have the payoff and maybe that's why people aren't interpreting it. If especially if they're single and not married and don't know like or haven't been in relationships and stuff like that, it could land a little bit like that's it. And I was like, yeah, that's it. Unfortunately, like it's real life.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe um maybe part of that is that there is kind of this dichotomy between the marriage stuff, like it's like half of marriage story but then also mixed with this father-daughter more typical rom-com kind of exploring that relation thing. So maybe if she had focused on one of them instead of trying to merge the two, it would have been a more coherent Mm -hmm. ending. I don't know. Um, Do you have anything else that you want to talk about?
2: I was just interested and more of just curious to know if, if, I mean, this is a Sofia Coppola film, but yeah, this is only my my first, my introduction to her filmography. Um, So I'm just curious to know where would this rank? Like between all her filmography,
0: that's a great question, um, Catherine. Do you want to take that first?
2: No pressure, but here's my 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 persuade whether persuade me whether or not I should go, go ahead and watch her filmography.
1: <laughs> well, I think um, I don't know if I'm a big fan of ranking, but um, I think that you definitely should see the progression of how she got to this point because mm-hmm. I think, it, like I said, I think it's very interesting. Um, like from the bold, um, you know, uh, like Virgin Suicides and then like Marie Antoinette and um, the bling ring and stuff like that, like seeing that and then seeing this one that's, I guess, in a way is more toned down, but it's still like now that I think about like all the, you know, the the marriage aspect and then the father-daughter relationship, like I think it's just a different tone for her and maybe where she wants to explore and you know, um, a lot of the other other films that she did, especially early on, like the the ones I mentioned, she was like a young. You know, I think she. I don't know how old she was when she did, like probably like late twenties or something. Um, and and exploring that, and so I don't necessarily want to rank it just because I think watch the one, like watch the progression of it, mm-hmm. um, because it's easy to say like, oh, this one didn't hit as hard as the other ones, and then say that it's like ranked last. But I don't think that's a fair um representation of her filmography to say that. So I think like I just I highly recommend all those other films I mentioned because they're really good and and they were uh, they still are very striking to me and I I I I they they have st- stuck with me. Um, at least like The Virgin Suicides and also uh, Marie Antoinette's one of my favorites. You know, period pieces and and it's done really well so you would love it cuz you know we love period and and royalty. Um, so I guess all of that is to say, I'm not going to rank it and definitely go watch those.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's incredibly awkward because next week I am ranking all of David Fincher's films, but, um, (laughs) um, I, I think what you have or what you said is a a great point and I agree with that.
2: Yeah. I just don't want to judge her filmography or be discouraged to watch it just because of my thoughts on this film. So that's why I was just asking, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not against ranking guys, but I'm just mean like, I, I want you to not. How be dare you? Yeah. I, I'm just, uh, I, I want you to go watch the earlier ones. And I would really love to hear what you think about that because I think it's a very different tone, but the same, like, I don't know, there's, there's, there's going to be some similar similarities, obviously, If it's, you know, same it's her. So, um, just please go watch that. Don't be dissuaded by this one.
0: Yeah, and I would definitely say you should absolutely at least check out Lost in Translation just because it's kind of a a seminal text in a lot of ways. Um, Mm -hmm. And I found that I was very, like, I really enjoyed it despite having pretty high expectations, which doesn't usually happen when you go back to a film that kind of particularly film Twitter really, really loves, you know? Um, And I thought, in contrast to this one, the ending of that film just makes it, everything that you experience so effective and i think it really shows how sofia copa is really good at getting these like capturing these moments in time almost and these moments in place and i mean she does that in marie antoinette and all of these other things that are in more period pieces but just like capturing tokyo capturing the 2000s in a way and Also having a relationship between an old Bill Murray and a young Scarlett Johansson and somehow that relationship should be creepy, but it isn't, I think is just a real testament to what she's able to do with like these character and emotional moments. So I think that's a really good one to kind of get like a quick and dirty sense of her style, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that's why I I didn't want to rank it because I think it doesn't for your purpose. It's not going to give you the best representation of like like I. Uh, I, I I I think um, Marty's right. Go watch uh, Lost in Translation.
0: <laughs> also, The Bling Ring is really underrated. I I really enjoyed that Emma Watson, and that was amazing. I I love that it basically it's almost like a Martin Scorsese film. I don't want to get off on a huge side mm-hmm. tangent, but just how it is able to say what Wolf of Wall Street said in half the runtime. I think I think more people should watch that one too. <laughs> Uh, okay. So with that, let's go ahead and move on to our point two section where we talk about some of the other stuff that we've been watching. Uh, I'll throw it to Catherine first. What have you been watching?
1: Yes. Um, since I don't want to make it a crown episode, um, <laughs> I, 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 I have watched season four of the crown. So yes. Um, but I actually, uh, recently I watched, um, seduced, uh, inside the Nixium cult, um, that's on stars. And I, I think there were, I forgot what the other one, the same nixium based documentary that's on HBO max as well, or HBO. Um, and so I've watched, but it's got, kind of, it, it reminded vow, me of like, I think it's called the vow. Yeah. And it reminded me of like, I'm really into documentaries. And then I love these opposing doc or not opposing, but like these two documentaries, like kind of like the fire festival with Hulu and Netflix that have both mm-hmm. had fire documentaries. And this one, I i was a big fan of Smallville. So like the Alison Mack involvement is just fascinating to me and very intriguing and like i can't understand like how and and just the cult aspect too and like how these people are you know i don't know hearing them talk about how they got kind of brainwashed and why they did it and all that um yeah i it was really fascinating um so i i finished that um (laughs) and yeah i'm gonna move on to now uh cheesy holiday rom-coms. And, and, um, but that was, I guess that was my pair
0: uh, those two, right? Like a sex cult and then a classic cheesy holiday film. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: Those go together for the holiday season. Right. I know that's kind of dark, but that's what I'm watching. So if if you're into kind of, you know, if you followed that story when it broke and and are curious to learn more about who this guy was and, and all that, like watch both of those, um, series, um, it's, it still doesn't answer a lot of the questions and and still really hard to understand from an outsider perspective. But I think at least you get to listen to the victims and, and give them at least I always think of like, I should hear their stories too. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. that's important.
0: Would you recommend one over the other?
1: Um, I would say just because it is similar to the fire festival situation with the opposing Mm -hmm. docs where they had different angles to it. Like, not necessarily like the bias or whatever, but they had different um, subjects that were participated in the documentary. So I feel like they're kind of into their, I guess, I don't know if they do this on purpose, but it's kind of, you need to watch both because you get, um, and I felt the same way with these uh, Nixium docs is the HBO one is sort of following these um, these certain characters as it's playing out, like um, the person had just left. And like, I think they followed him over a few years, um, you know, that story. And then the uh, seduced that's on stars is the aftermath. So actually one of the people who, uh, one of the the person that was involved um, in the in cult is actually telling her story in the stars one mostly with a few mm-hmm. other people, but she was in the, in the HBO one, uh, her mom is, you know, basically like, she's still in it during that documentary. So it's kind of like, I feel like they oh, wow. complement each other. Like if you watch the H the vow one first, Um, it's, as it's happening and people are getting out and then you'll watch like, oh, why, you know, the, one of the subjects that was in the vow is like, you know, why she was doing that and stuff. So I think it's eerily complimenting in a way.
0: (laughs) Cool. Cool. Uh, did you want to talk cheesy rom-coms?
1: Oh yeah. I'll, um, (laughs) I'll recommend a few that I've, I I watched. Um, I watched the holiday, um, with Emma Roberts and I forgot what his name is. I think Luke something he's Australian um and it's on netflix and i actually found it to be you know netflix has been coming out with these uh christmas movies for a few years now um like the mm-hmm. inv- infamous ones or the you know the print was it the prince uh, the princess um,
0: sweat swap or something the double there's like the
1: royal trilogy which shouldn't have gone to it uh, tr- yeah um
0: a christmas prince i think
1: yes christmas prince and um, Holiday felt like it was a little bit more raunchy, which I didn't expect, which is okay. I think that played to it. And I liked like Emma Roberts' character, you know, they're basically kind of like, oh, we need a, uh, the premise is, you know, they need a, a, a date for all the holidays. And of course they end up like liking each other and blah, blah, blah. But like the way they 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 do it is like, I don't know, it, it felt like very reminiscent of probably how it is today, you know? And, and sometimes like uh, the cheesy- rom-coms are very fluffy you know and that's not actually how it plays out um and just to give you a little bit of context like of what I'm trying to get at is like there's a moment where she accidentally takes a laxative and has to like go through you know (laughs) like have to get home to you know let it out and he's with you know the 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 love interest is there too or whatever the guy and like that is real stuff and I love when like in rom-coms it's like kind of you know these are the moments that are actually going to happen. You know, you're going to have to get acquainted with your person's, you know, stuff like that. And and I like seeing that, I guess. I don't know if I'm weird, um, but I liked it. It was fun. Um, and um, I'm watching, I'm in the middle of watching Operation Christmas Drop. And that's with Kat Graham and Alexander Ludwig. Um, and I'm saying I'm in the middle of it just because it is, it's not cringy, but I know what's going to happen. And then I'm just thinking like, they, they are filming probably at like the actual, like they, you know, at a base where, you know, it's actually a real thing that happens. I read that they, the military, I think they're like in Guam or something. They deliver um, uh, things to the like islands that are very um, secluded or whatever. Um, and, but she's, you know, going there cause they're going to close the base or whatever. And then they end up, you know, probably getting together. I haven't finished, but it is a little cheesy. And I'm just thinking like, oh my God, were you filming around actual, Military people like this cheesy rom-com Netflix movie, <laughs> and that makes me cringe. And so it's just I've paused a little bit, um, a few times, but I'm gonna finish it because I love it. So, yeah, those are the two I've watched, and then I I want to watch Jingle jingle that just came out, and the Christmas Chronicles too. And so there's a lot in my future, and um, I don't know. Do you watch Christmas movies as well?
0: Um, I, I'll I'll do like one or two a year maybe, but I. Yeah, I think some of them are are really great and they have like a place, you know, it's it's almost like I don't want to say guilty pleasure watch because that sort of diminishes them in a way because like mm-hmm. you shouldn't feel guilty for watching something that you enjoy. But they are just nice to turn on as like almost like a television sitcom, right? Where you don't really have to think too hard about it. And um yeah. the, the one with Vanessa Hudgens, I think, is the the princess switch. That one yeah. is mm-hmm. absolutely bananas and i can't i can't shake the thing that was craziest of it uh about it for me was that in that movie they're watching a netflix original movie in their yes. cabin <laughs> and it's i think it's the I, I just said it what was it the the princess the christmas prince or something and i was yes, like this yes. is this is a little offensive but um yeah i definitely like them i'll, I'll definitely pass those recommendations on and check them out yeah <laughs> So that's Holiday and Operation Christmas Drop, both on Netflix as well as uh, Seduced on Stars. Yes. Okay. So, uh, Rosa, similarly um, Religious Cults and Christmas Musicals? Or- <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, sorry to disappoint. Um, no, it, it's mainly I've been just watching a lot of screeners and been trying to catch up um, but with a lot of Academy, <laughs> p- potentially... Um, Worthy films. Um, I'm just gonna talk briefly about two films that I've been watching Uh, The first one is I carry you with me Um, It's it's it has a release date for January next year, which probably seems like years from now, but um, Yeah, it it follows a a Mexican uh, chef who wants to be uh, he want he wants to be a chef but he is working th- through chef school, culinary school, and everything. But it, it follows him and his journey to becoming a chef. So he comes to the United States, um, to New York, and, and just pursuing his dream. So so it's an immigrant story um, slash social uh, commentary about uh, Mexico's uh, social, mental um, homophobia themes and, and such. Because mm-hmm. the, the main character is... Uh, uh, gay, but he has a, a son so he has to deal with That and and trying to raise the son and in a society that pretty much hates him for who he is um, So he, he falls in love. It's a really beautiful love story to be honest um, it, it's one of my favorite films of the year um, and Yeah, and and what happens between them and and what happens after he immigrates to, to New York and it it, it it's one of those films that I have no idea how they were able to achieve this, but it's a film, but they were able to intertwine it with the documentary format because the, it's based on real events. So towards, um, throughout the film, you see the two real people that are actually experiencing this and you see them throughout um, the film. So it's like a film slash documentary-esque um, kind of movie that's really well done, well acted. Uh, great performances all around. And hopefully, um, I think it's one of the contenders uh, to be uh, Mexico's representative for International Film for oh, the awesome. Academy Awards. Yeah.
0: Is it like uh, American Animals? Did you see that where that's sort of like semi documentary, but also a narrative story?
2: I don't think I've seen it so I'm not sure
0: Okay just curious
2: Sorry (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yes and and so if you guys get a chance To see it please watch it it's really really Great Um, and The last film it's a film I just recently watched (laughs) last Night Um, and it's the sound Of metal
0: You sound great Yeah right You told me you were feeling it you were in it Hey, we,
2: don't need to, we don't need to put them all out. I know, but oh, we yeah. just need to film them. <laughs> <laughs> Your hearing is deteriorating rapidly.
0: We'll come back. Till then, Lou, we just keep going, okay? No. Lou, no. let's play all. Let's see what it's like, okay? I'm going to be like a clip track. You can play it in me. You
2: have to understand your first responsibility is to preserve the hearing you have. Oh, my gosh.
0: I'm seeing that on Tuesday.
2: Oh, great. You're going to... I mean, I hope you, you love this film. I had a blast with this movie. Uh, Every... um. Critical acclaim that Riz Ahmed is getting wholeheartedly, I support it. Man, his, his performance in this film is very, very powerful. And just to see the journey, he, he plays a drummer um, who uh, slowly but surely is losing um, his, his hearing. So for a musician, uh, I can't imagine what it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> for anyone in, in, in particular, but for a musician himself. Uh, and you just see his journey and and what he goes through. Um and beautifully acted also by um supported by uh, Olivia Cook who gives a, a really good performance. With I wouldn't be surprised if she gets some some acclaim for her performance as well. Overall, just a well done film. I I just love love the story, love the the, the character development between both of them. Um and I really hope you enjoy it because it, it's certainly one of those films. Um that surprised me I was not expecting to like it this much and I currently hold a huge crush on Riz Ahmed oh my gosh Riz Ahmed, is
0: he I I have stand Riz Ahmed since I think I first saw him in Nightcrawler but then he had The Night Of which is yeah. amazing an amazing HBO miniseries if you haven't seen that so good um and then of course you know he was in Rogue One and I mean I guess he was also in Venom but whatever ben, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah I'm, I'm so excited for this one It's I, I believe it's an Amazon release so it should come onto Amazon sometime relatively soon but I've, I'm have i getting I get to see a virtual screening on Tuesday so I'm super excited for that one yay um, okay and so then I Carry You With Me I believe is a Sony Classics release correct, correct? yes so that should come onto VOD sometime in January hopefully or if we're lucky right. maybe we can go to a theater but what? really excited for both of those <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, the films that I want to talk about, I think that this was all the rage online, maybe, you know, four weeks too late, I guess, at this point. But I want to talk just briefly about um, Borat, subsequent movie film. Um, Is this one that you guys saw?
1: No, I'm I'm not a very big fan of like uh, the comedy is like a weird thing for me. And I I think it'll take me a long time to probably watch. um, I haven't even seen the first Borat if that answers your okay question. no i'm not okay. opposed to it it's just not for me that kind of thing
0: yeah and uh rosa how about you
2: i haven't no i haven't seen the first first okay. one therefore yeah i don't watch sequels i don't
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i remember watching the first one like when i was a kid back when it was kind of all the craze and i really didn't like it which i think is is weird for a child to not like Borat. i don't know but um this is obviously the sequel and just for people who are uninitiated sasha Baron Cohen is pretending to be this journalist from Kazakhstan and he basically goes to America and essentially runs all these elaborate pranks on Americans and it's kind of to expose the ridiculousness of our culture and also the, especially now, not-so-latent biases that um, people have and are more than comfortable with sharing, which is um, a bit frustrating and a bit tragic. And I think that's part of the kind of hesitation, I think, with the, the second one is that, like, do we really need or at coming around and having people show their racism so clearly when it's already so clearly shown. Um, But this is the second film I think is is interesting because it was strategically made to be released right before the election, and it has a very specific political message. And I think unlike the first one, which is kind of let's hit everyone and make fun of everyone, this one very much focuses its efforts on um, conservatives and Republicans and really looks at those individuals and kind of challenges those people. Um, or I guess maybe challenge isn't the right word because it it doesn't it's not for those people, but it kind of hits those people. And I think the film is really funny. It's definitely a specific type of humor. Um, but there were several moments that did make me just absolutely laugh out loud. Um, and there's a new player in the game. It's Maria Baklava who plays his daughter, and so she's basically doing the same thing. And it's amazing that, you know, it's not just Sasha Baron Cohen, who we know is kind of a genius at this point, but she is also committed to the character and never breaks and can keep up with him during these elaborate playing pranks. And I just think um, I really like that the film has something to say. Um, It's very smartly interwoven with the COVID crisis um, in a way that I think is funny and silly, but it's not disrespectful which I think is certainly something that could come off, you know, as like playing it for laughs or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I think just some of the pranks that he's able to get away with, and I don't really want to share them or even give examples. But, you know, I think if you've been online, there's a particular very prominent political figure that is shown in a very poor light in this movie. And it's just staggering that he's able to do this and continue to do this. But I guess the, the one thing that I'll say is that even at 96 minutes, it definitely feels long, and this is one of those types of comedies that I think that the premise becomes pretty belabored very quickly, and there's like certain bits and jokes that are not nearly as good as others, so it kind of feels exhausting after 90 minutes, um, even though I did largely enjoy myself. But the reason that I say that is because afterwards, I also watched the entire first season of Who is America? Uh, have you heard of this show, either of you?
1: Wait, wait, say it. Sorry, say it again.
0: It's called Who is America?
1: Oh, no, I haven't heard of that one.
0: Yeah, so this is also Sasha Baron Cohen, and it's a Showtime television show where he, again, disguises himself as a range of different characters and then gets interviews with people across the United States. Um, and, you know, you get a range of people. Some of them are complete unknown people. So one of the, the things that he does is he goes to a town hall in, uh, Arizona, which is where I'm from. So it was particularly damning to see some of the people there act the way that they did. But then he also gets like these interviews as pretending to be a person, um, with people like Dick Cheney and Bernie Sanders. And so like, he has these interactions in character with these people. And as far as I can tell, they are none the wiser. And what I really like about this is that unlike the films, these are 30 minute episodes so you get these quick bits, but they don't really overstay their welcome. Um, it kind of hits everybody, but the best bits are usually against the people that voted for Trump, for example, or the people that most likely did. Um, so I think it's like a, a good response to that. And it may even be more palatable now that hopefully that part is behind us. Um, but it's on Showtime, and I th- I, th- I would recommend it as like a a quick burst of comedy and this type of thing without having to commit to like a whole 90 minutes of uh, a film. But um, yeah, so that's who is America, which is on Showtime and Borat subsequent movie film, I think is the short title. um, And that is on Amazon prime. Okay, so this has been our review of On the Rocks. Rosa, Catherine, thanks again for joining me. I think it's always a blast to have you both on. And I think we had some really great conversation and hopefully convinced Rosa to check out some of Sofia Coppola's films, hopefully.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll probably be seeking out some of her films, but we'll see.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Is there anything specific that you'd like to plug here?
1: Yeah, if you want to listen to uh, more conversations with me and Rosa, uh join us on Latinx Lens. We're on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and everywhere you listen to podcasts.
0: I will be tuning in for that season four crown love fest. I think that sounds great. Yes.
1: Oh my God. It's such a love fest. It might be, (laughs) it might be, it's like an hour of annoying, just love fest, (laughs) (laughs) but sorry, not sorry. I think
0: those are the best when you agree with the hosts, right? Like if you hated the crown, which I don't know why you would watch season four of the crown at that point, if you hate the show, but, um, I'm, I'm all on the crown board. So, okay. Yes. The intro music for this episode is a piece called Work by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his work at Incompetech.com. If you'd like to keep up with this podcast and find out when we release new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at Movie Maripod or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Movie Maripod. That's Movie M-A-R-A pod. And you can always reach out to us at our email, MovieMarathonersPod at gmail.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast at our website, evergreenpodcasts.com slash movie-marathoners. And we are also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Overcast, Himalaya, and CastBox. So please subscribe or write a review if you like what we're doing. And any feedback you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated. So thank you all for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time when I'm joined by James and Kyle from Munson's at the Movies to talk about our favorite Fincher films in preparation for the highly anticipated release of Mank. Rose, I'm assuming you've seen Mank already. Is it... Is it good i think everybody's saying it's good
2: it's good it's visually beautiful um i thought it was okay,
0: okay. <laughs> here we go again
2: um but it, it's certainly uh targeted to a certain niche uh, uh film demographic so so if you're very like cinephile and very uh, big on on film history this uh, mank is certainly going to be um for them I don't think it's going to have the same, uh, same impact on regular movie and audience.
0: Got it. Okay, well, fingers crossed, and uh, I'll have a review <laughs> for that one as well. So stay tuned for all that. Until then, remember that life's a marathon, so let's take it one movie at a time.